Welcome to The Get Together! (laughs) It's our show about ordinary people building extraordinary communities. I'm your host, Bailey Richardson. I'm a partner at People & Company and a co-author of Get Together, How to Build a Community with Your People. And I'm Whitney Ogutu, a Get Together correspondent. In each episode of this podcast, we interview everyday people who have built extraordinary communities about just how they did it. How did they get the first people to show up? How did they grow to hundreds, maybe even thousands more members? Whitney, who did you choose to interview today? Today, we are talking to Lewis Kangeda, the community lead at the Fearless Community. And what's one thing that you took away from our conversation with Lewis? One thing that really stood out when talking to Lewis is the power of leading and building with purpose. Lewis emphasized the importance of communicating your why when bringing people together for your community, because that's what people resonate with. The other is the best way to build and serve a community is by being a servant yourself. This enables you to lead both the community and yourself as it opens you up to growth opportunities while serving the community at the same time. Last but not least, the best advice for building communities going back to the basics of bringing or gathering your people together doing personal reach out, seeking feedback, building with as opposed to for, which is a principle we at People and Company stand by. Absolutely. And I'm excited to bring this episode to everyone from the fearless community because I think a lot of us are finding ourselves in communities like these during the pandemic. And Lewis is so brilliant about how he thinks about his role stewarding a local community within the broader fearless umbrella. So let's jump in. You ready? Yes. Woohoo! Lewis, welcome to the podcast. We're so excited to have you. And I want to kick off with the first question that we we love to ask everyone who comes on our show. We love to say that you can't fake the funk. People who are organizing communities often have their own personal motivation for doing so and for getting involved. So I'm curious, what what drew you to the fearless community? What were you going through in your life when you decided to get involved? Yeah, um, thank you very much uh, for uh, bringing me on board and um, thank you for the question. So I've all been about um, running communities and the, and the one thing that I would say is it started while I was still in primary school when we have we used to have uh, school clubs and that motivated me to have this passion towards bringing people together so that we can share as well as build each other. So. How I, how I went about joining Fearless was the Fearless used to exist way before me. And um, the way it existed was it was called Candles. So Candles was about mentoring people. So Tom, together with Tabres, came together and they're like, um, we want to help people, especially designers, in terms of power, basically powering mentoring. And then after some time, the community t- took a uh, shape of its own. And then COVID happened uh, after a couple of years, COVID happened. And then so many designers reached out to Tom, who was now the, uh, the co-organizer for that particular community, Candles. And he was like, okay, so designers, um, they were mostly impacted by COVID. And he was like, let's do this. Let's bring together all the designers. Now starting a different community. Let's bring all designers so that they can connect first to check their mental health because it was crazy times people lost their jobs. And then they're like, okay, it's also a good opportunity to help designers find a place to uh, now continue working because most of them were laid out in terms of their jobs. And at the time, um, I was currently leaving Product Tank, Nairobi. So I was a co-organizer. I had, wa- I had worked with uh, Amos, who's the other co-organizer 
for around um, I think that's around one year, one one year, seven months, and we had started building a community around people who are interested about product management. So we did around 15 plus meetups and got super excited, but I felt it's time for me to take over a different challenge. And that's when we ended up having a conversation with Tom. The company that you're working with, I like um, your history with communities. I'd like you to actually champion this conversation about fearless now that uh, Chloe is Chloe is moving on to a different country. I was like, yeah, why not? I'm always passionate about design. That's why I joined uh, Fearless. And I was like, let's just take it on. And that's how I went about um, running Fearless as an African lead. So you've been organizing communities, bringing people together since primary school. I think that that might be that might be the longest running organizer that we've had on the podcast. Do you, do you, so yeah, tell me, just tell me a, a little bit about that, if you don't mind. What did that look like when you were in primary school, and what, what do you remember from that? What made it so meaningful? Ooh, um, let me let me not lie. It mm. wasn't the best thing because I was I used to be a shy guy, and because mm. of my uh, I would say academics, our teacher was like, um, "Louis, you need to run the mathematics club because again, <laughs> you're passionate about mathematics, and mm. you are yeah, you're basically a smart boy." I was like, "Okay, why not? I can't even say no because again, I don't know if it's an African thing. It's hard to say no, especially when you're <laughs> when the teacher asks. There's no option." <laughs> Exactly. There's literally no option. It's either you're good in these <laughs> Yes or books. yes. Exactly. <laughs> so I was like, yeah, why not? Let me just take it on. So it, I ended up joining other clubs in the school. So this was more majorly academic, plus also wildlife. They, they, Kenya, most Kenyans actually know that there's a wildlife club when they're in primary, and they happened to be one of the, I would say, leads in that community. So we were doing a couple of trips, went to high school, joined other clubs for business, um, for doing uh, technical drawing. There are so many things. And then after campus, again, in campus, I actually ended up doing a lot of, I would say, community work. So we started a tech community, where which inspired me to actually go and understand more about the tech market, which uh, coincidentally, I'm still doing my bachelor's in IT. So I ended up loving technology as well as now doing um, community work for free. I just mm. love the fact that I bring together people with the same passion, people who want mm -hmm. to learn as well as share together so that they can drive this uh, mission that you have for the particular community. So that's yeah. how I ended up, I would say, yeah, when I was a young kid. What, what do you think made Fearless, the Fearless community, appealing to you? You know, you mentioned the mentorship piece and also how much designers were affected by the lockdown and how Fearless allows people to stay connected. But, but what what do you think makes it so appealing to so many people? Yeah, so the first thing is Tom um, works in the recruiting space, so he helps companies um, get the best design teams. And because he already had started Candles, which was now the mentoring one, and people had already reached out to him. So there was that um, relationship that he already built using the previous community. And at that particular time, he was very empathetic enough to him and his wife, um, Lorraine, came together and they were like, we need to help designers. Designers have been reaching out to us because, again, they are known in the industry for bringing or rather, uh, helping designers get jobs as well as companies get the right designers. And they were like, we need to help them find a place where their, their mental health is well understood. They can be helped. So that helps. That creates an environment for them to actually feel at peace. And then the second thing is 
because they still do um, recruiting as well as um, building up teams, they also wanted to help those people in need. So it came at the right time. And that for me felt like you you actually understand the market and you understand the people. So but first of all, they put the people in front of the company's mission, which again, as you know, the company is to help uh, companies get the best design team. But in this case, the one thing that they looked at was we want people to actually have a good mental health state by bringing them together to share as well as learn from each other. Africa is one of those, I would say, places that people don't know about. There's this stereotype, uh, again, this is something that I experienced in a different community. When I was sharing about design, somebody asked me, uh, do you guys actually have computers in your country? I was like, okay. Oh God, I hope it wasn't an American. <laughs> Sounds like I, a classic American comment. <laughs> I was like, I'm not going to be offended. I understand where you're coming from. It's the, the problem is as Africans, we rarely tell our own stories. And then I took it upon myself to actually um, champion the design conversation because when people think about designers, they never think about Africa. But mm-hmm. right now, think uh, I actually appreciate and love what they've been doing. When now people across the globe think about developers, they think about Africa. Mm-hmm. So that was my, I would say, my purpose. Now I need to change the narrative as well as allow designers in Africa to tell their story so that when somebody is thinking about design, Africa comes to mind. So how did you get started? I mean, to me, I think one thing that I think about leading Africa is that is a huge place and so many different cultures, (laughs) so many different languages. It's, It's representing such a big swath of people and places. Um, but yeah, what, what were those early days and priorities like? And what are some of the key things you did to, to help grow the fearless community in Africa? Um, so the good thing is the previous uh, Africa lead, Chloe, had done a really a good job of recruiting. And again, um, maybe something you need to emphasize was candles was not closed. They just um, removed people from the Slack group because some of them were very inactive and they wanted now to create a new space. So yeah, the lurker. See you later. Exactly. exactly. <laughs> so, unfortunately, um, not so many Africans were in that candles group. And when Chloe took on the role itself, they were, I would say there were a handful of designers in Africa. So she took on the mantle of trying to reach out to, um, of course, where she came from, in this case, South Africa, trying to reach out to uh, designers in South Africa to get to join. And when I was joining, I think we were around 50, and I was like, um, I need to figure a way of now onboarding more designers, especially in Africa. Africa has so many countries. Again, like you mentioned, there's so many cultures. So I had to really think what is the best way of actually trying to recruit. So I went on to Behance. I went on to Dribble, directly messaging all these designers that I come across. So tried to look at hashtags. Yeah. And just for the people who don't know the design world, that's that's where a lot of people post their projects and post their ideas and inspiration. So you went to the internet and started basically sleuthing around looking for interesting designers and reaching out. Exactly. Exactly. So because Smart I'm move. also a growth hacker, I, I had to also <laughs> scrape people. I scrape people ah. from these social sites and then run a query to just send them a message. You're like, hey, and then I personalize it. So I say, hey, Whitney, uh, my name is Lewis. I run the Africa community uh, for Fearless. Are you? And then I explain what exactly Fearless is all about. And then here's a link to sign up. 
So I would I would say uh, I got around ten percent um, conversion rate where people because again I, I didn't know them, so it getting a ten percent conversion rate. That seems pretty high. Really yeah. yeah. What what, what do you? Shocked. What did you put in that message? I mean, it sounds like, I mean, now that I know you're a growth hacker, I'm sure yeah. you probably thought about different versions of communicating and who who to reach out to that actually resonated and worked and who didn't perhaps. And I'm wondering, did you have any insights about that process, about, you know, who who really wanted to be a part of Fearless after reaching out to lots of people and maybe what message really, really resonated? The one thing that... Um... I would say helped a lot in terms of getting a higher conversion was the quote that they had uh, had selected to tell them this is the mission in terms of design for Africa. And this is how it goes, <laughs> opening quotes. Yeah. So until the lion tells his side of the story, the tale of the hunt will always glorify the hunter. I want to <laughs> impact the world huh. by creating a space where designers in Africa can tell their stories. They're mm. like, oh, yes, end of quote. They're like, yes, mm. let's jump on the ship. And that really resonated with other designers because we want to be hard. We want to mm. stand out. Because I, I, I kid you not, one of the things that really frustrates me personally is when I'm trying to look for jobs outside of Africa, is like, are you qualified? I'm like, I have so many years of experience under my belt, but because mm. I come from Africa, there's always that doubt. So mm. fearless is a place because again, designers hire designers. I was like, fearless is a place that can help other designers, especially during COVID to actually get an opportunity to work as well as make a network with other designers across the group. I was wondering if it, if you would reinforce this learning that I've seen, but I wasn't, sure if it was yeah. if it was exactly solid which is that mm -hmm. if you lead with a purpose you know a community is a group of people who align with a shared purpose that's what brings yeah. them together they care about the same thing and so yeah. when you put that signal out into the world instead of leading with logistics or mm -hmm. pricing or like you know join the slack group but lead with the reason why the group is coming together that yeah. that's what can really get people to understand it and to yeah. join and, and participate yeah for sure so one of the things that we try to do is again also being a designer is you understand the pain point so the pain point was mm. it was covid and you are a, you're a designer in africa and you still don't know how you're going to be helped and where can you find your fellow outside designers so understanding or rather being empathetic about these particular designers really helped me also in crafting the message to tell them, let's come together and be part of this community. Let's drive the mission. So don't don't start selling, I would say, um, the features of that particular product or service. Try and address the pain point and show them this is the actual benefit of mm. joining this particular community. Lois, yes. you've talked about how the internet played a huge role in, you know, the entire recruitment process and trying to grow the African chapter for the fearless community. What challenges have you experienced uh, throughout that process? The challenge that comes to mind is how do we bring people who have different cultures? So I always refer uh, to a book called The Culture Map. I think it's by Erin Mayer. Ah, yes. Yes. Yes, I always refer to it whenever it comes to working with uh, a diverse group. So they do, again, people have been raised differently. People have different values. 
And the biggest challenge was how do I bring all these people together to actually start conversing with each other? The challenge, again, you know, I don't know if you, but Whitney might know, is Africans, I don't know if they are shy or they are they just shy away from opportunities naturally. But so the challenge was how can I convince somebody who is of a different culture from mine to actually come and sign up to this community and then we start driving the mission itself because you're Nigerian, I'm Kenyan, what exactly do you have to share with each other? We've never met physically. So also the second challenge is because I've run communities before, when you are in the same space physically, it's easier. You, you know you know it's easier for you to reach me. You can either do a call, you can give me a call, you can send me an SMS, we can even cross the road or even drive to where I am so that you can have that conversation. So I'd say as much as in the digital tools or rather the internet has really helped bridge or rather remove those barriers of getting access to each other, I definitely will say still the physical connection is something that still, I would say is still a challenge for me, especially running the Africa part. I wish I could be able to travel to different, I would say, countries and then meet these people because when you have that personal relationship, it's going to be easier for you to even reach out to them and start having those conversations. So that's the, the second one. So the third thing I would say as a challenge is how do we ensure that we bring all these people in different time zones to the same place? You know, again, like you've said, um, it's morning on your end, it's evening on my end. So how do we strike a balance so that you don't miss out on us engaging, especially addressing the topics that you'd like us to address? So that one has also been a challenge, not just for me um, running the Africa Channel, but also communicating with other leads, community leads for fearless. So I would say, Definitely, internet helps bridge that gap of basically getting to connect via the internet, but the physical part of the community is what we are missing out on. I don't know if you can use AR or VR to bring people closer. That's just a thought, but I would say that is a major challenge when it comes to that particular um, issue. Yeah, tell me a little bit more about how the community is run on a day-to-day basis. So, you know, how, what are the formats and ways that members of the Fearless community interact? Yes, um, it's very, very difficult, let me not lie, uh, to to run a community on a day-to-day because uh, the reality is you still have a day job and you still want (laughs) to be a servant leader to this community. So I would say for me, I try to run the community. um, So the policy or rather the, the, um, the way we have set it up, especially for leads in Fearless, is log in once a day to just drop in a message or even answer queries. So that mm. at least also creates this habit so that you don't forget that you're actually serving people in the Fearless community. So you try as much as possible to log in every day, go to the Fearless um, specific channel that you are running, and then post in anything that you think is useful. So we tried out uh, the first few months by posting anything. So the thing, the one thing that really happened, or as I started noticing is people are reacting to different types of content. So it's like today I'm gonna ask uh, an example is the, um, have you actually created your calendar for the end of the year? And here are ways you can go about it. So you find that 
I have posted that, but somebody in Singapore has posted something different. So we decided to come back together like, okay, yes, it's good that people are running the, the particular chapters in their own way, the way they understand the community, but let's have a centralized place mm. where we can be sharing content. So you find that now we are trying to create content, we're actually creating content and trying to post it on Slack so that people start engaging on it. And so that's the first thing. So we try to post on a daily basis something that will actually spark the conversation and it's reflecting on the different channels. And then are you saying that the chapter leads are looking into each other's channels to see yes. what things are being posted? So you're learning from each other? Exactly. So I am in like, um, I would say, eight uh, private Slack uh, channels because they ah. belong to the specific regions. So I see some of the things and I can also engage with them. Of course, they know. And one of the things is when you join Fearless, you attach a flag on your name. So definitely when they see my flag, oh, cool. um, they're like, oh, this is a Kenyan in, uh, in Singapore. Yeah. So we start having that. that conversation. And the, one of the things, again, uh, being human is, I don't know if there's a word for it, is if you see somebody reacting to something, I don't know if it's something psychological, but you end up reacting to it. So if you post something on our Slack channel and I engage on it, somebody else would be like, okay, yeah, that's an interesting thing. Then they start engaging more. But if you post and nobody reacts to it, so no one ended, ends up uh, engaging on it. So we encourage each other in the specific Slack groups as uh, leads so that we can get other people uh, for those specific channels. To start the to conversation. Exactly. Oh, this um, is so, so smart. You yeah. guys have it figured out. <laughs> yeah, it's quite, it's quite interesting, actually. I like the way people actually responding. You know, start noticing the differences and the way that mm. people think. And then the other thing is what we do in terms of format is there's a section for people asking questions. So that's where everyone is in terms of the whole channel. We're around 7,000, so we're all in there. So when somebody asks a question, we try as leads to answer from our own experiences. Again, the community is about designers, so people have their own expertise. So we bring it together. We try to address these problems, and this for you as a member, you feel okay. So, you actually see the value of coming back to fearless because they want to address my needs. So, they always are there to answer, they're always there to poke me in terms of the way I think, and that really brings people back to engaging. The other thing is, we also try to do meetups. So virtual meetups. Um, the only country I know that did a physical meetup during um, the pandemic was Mauritius. For some reason, Mauritius was really safe. So um, the, Go the, Mauritius. the country, yeah, <laughs> that's awesome. I envy <laughs> them. <laughs> but they did a physical event, and it, and uh, I would say that the conversion rate was around sixty percent because people were meeting physically. And maybe some, maybe to add more context to the Mauritius bit is. The thing was, when the con the country for Mauritius was trying to recruit the way I was recruiting, like for the whole of Africa, is she discovered that designers in Mauritius are not on LinkedIn, they are not on Behance, they are not on Dribble, they are not on all these hmm. social sites. So hmm. what she did was like she went to um, the uh, design institute because that's where they hang out. So she went she went there physically and she was like, I'd like to do a session and invite all the designers. So by word of mouth, people ended up coming for that particular event and she mm. directed them back to the fearless community. So for mm. them, it, you, can, you find that the different uh, regions have their own different challenges and always, um, they because you're designers, you try as much as possible to think outside the box to address these pain points. And for me, that was one of the best ways of addressing it. 
So trying to do virtual meetups or if it's possible, physical meetups on a monthly basis. So you can even collaborate between different regions. Like um, I would say at the America, uh, the America, Fearless America, and then Fearless Africa, try to come together and do an event to basically uh, together. Um, the other thing is we invite senior designers, so people who have around, I would say, 16 years plus experience in the design community to start having conversations. So we have a panel of around five people and then somebody like Tom, who's the co-founder of Fearless, leading the conversation. So you find, again, because our community is made up of junior, uh, mid-level and senior designers, we all want to listen in and also chime in with our insights or either get insights from that conversation. So we try to basically use different formats of content to engage the members. Again, we always, again, because new people are always joining in, I try personally to DM each and every person in my Africa channel to ask them, wow. how can Fearless help you rather bring value to you, especially during this time? So actually, funny enough, is before the podcast almost two hours ago, I was individually sending SMS, or rather, I would say DMs to each one of the people in the Africa channel asking them that. So how can I serve you better in fairness? Because the whole point of me being a lead is to serve you and make sure that you are able to achieve your goals with fearless. Lewis, you are such an amazing community lead. <laughs> I get it. <laughs> I, I get I it. What, so, I, yeah, it's really great. Like one thing that I love about Fearless is the website so clearly communicates what you do together, mm. that there's the Slack, you're talking about yes. what you've been leading. And then these, uh, it's called video podcast series. So yes. you're talking about these senior design leaders that are brought together for a conversation about a topic, like <laughs> building a design culture, building and scaling design. And those videos are made available too, so you can watch them. Um, and then yeah. there's also this Stay Connected series where different topics were discussed, like mental health and remote collaboration. Mm. Um, but I am just curious, you know, on the meetup side, the virtual meetup yeah. side, mm. that's something I think a lot of people are trying to figure out right now is yeah. sort of what you're navigating. You know, maybe they want to start or stoke the fires of a community right now in this extended period of not being able to meet strangers in person. So what has worked well for you in terms of designing the format of these meetups or um, thinking about how to bring people value with a, a virtual gathering? Um, I would say for virtual meetups, um, definitely the key thing is when people are joining. So one of the things that we have mastered is when you're joining, we ask you, what will you like um, from Fearless? So there is already um, a huge resource there of knowing this is why people have actually joined um, Fearless. And we take that as one of the things that can help us to come up with themes to address it. Again, we use different formats to actually address those issues. So when people are being onboarded, rather when they're signing up, we capture the actual need that they want to be addressed with fearless. So from there, we ended and spun it up to become something of interest to them. I was just wondering what you've learned about how to make a virtual meetup meaningful because um, so many people are trying to figure that out and as a designer and a problem solver i was curious what what you've noticed about what makes those gatherings special valuable to your community definitely have fun so don't make it too serious again <laughs> as designers so what's interesting is designers we we love memes where we somehow create the memes themselves so we try as much as possible 
to again because you already work you're either a designer working with clients or working for your employer everything is super serious on that end so when you come to fearless you want we want you to feel as if you're at home and it's fun so these are your brothers sisters uh, basically relatives friends mm. so it's a fun place to be so create that environment for them to feel like they really want to enjoy and even extend the meetup itself. So have mm. fun games, um, have um, great icebreakers. The second thing is don't do it too much. So actually, um, I think that was either uh, two days ago when somebody asked in one of the uh, communities that I belong to, like which is the, how, how frequent should you run your virtual meetups? You don't want your community members to forget that you actually exist. And you don't want to be like notifications where they are all over your face and you feel like throwing away your phone. So definitely make sure that um, you address or that you try to make sure that when you are setting up the time, the frequency, that it's the right time for your community. If they're too busy, you can be doing it every two months or even quarterly. If they're not that too busy and you and you see that there's a lot of hunger for it, then do it monthly. The other thing I would say is whenever you're doing a virtual meetup and what I've learned is Topics always come from conversations inside of Slack, especially for us. I would say the fourth thing uh, in terms of running a virtual meetup that, are, that I've totally uh, loved is if it is possible, just do small surprises. For example, when, again, because physically we, what I used to do is the person who arrives the earliest, I gift you. So if it's about, because I used to run a personal finance uh, community, if you arrive the first person, and towards the end of the uh, meetup, I award you a personal finance book. So you feel, oh, Aww. okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, so try think around how to award um, your members, especially for availing themselves. So if there's somebody who was uh, basically, um, I would say, I, uh, engaging a lot in the conversation or in the discussions, do award them and make sure that it's public so that you can also encourage them to actually participate next time. And I would say lastly, as a, uh, the fifth one, in terms of the lessons that I've learned doing virtual meetups is at the end of the day, you need to make sure that you say thank you to everyone who joined and those who didn't join and also do a follow-up by either sharing the video itself, the audio, and even um, the insights. So people normally forget after a meter, they just end it there, that's it, here's a video, go have fun, watch it at your own time. But to, to say it, uh, or rather just make sure that it's a reality check for everyone who's leading a community, people don't have time to actually sit down and rewatch the video. We are always rushing, especially as designers, or rather as your members in your community, so just set aside some time, use the, uh, the, just transcribe the whole session and share the insights of that particular meetup or event so that people actually will be incentivized. Okay, so these are interesting insights. I'd like to understand more context. So you'll end up going back to the video or audio to listen to it and get more context about it. So I'd say those are the five things I've learned personally for running virtual meetups that are really engaging and um, quite useful to your members. This interview is so wonderful. You are such a thoughtful person and such a structured thinker. So I'm like writing down in my notebook right now, your the oh five my. principles of virtual meetup. Quite impressive, Lewis. Um, Thank you. You know, the pandemic, you know, has proved a case for staying connected and being part of meaningful communities. And I think this speaks a lot to, you know, the staying connected series. 
How has COVID-19 affected the fearless community? And are there any one or two lessons that you've learned that you're looking to incorporate into the community moving forward? Um, unfortunately, um, there are casualties because of COVID, but the people who saw or rather, um, who saw an opportunity to actually help others, especially during that that those hard times, was like fearless. Fearless was like, let's bring designers together. Come, let's first talk about um, your well-being, and then let's talk about the next steps forward for you as a designer. We got a ton of signups from from designers across the globe, and we didn't use any advertising. We were like. Here is a place that is safe for you to actually share as well as connect with other people. COVID made sure that everyone is locked in their houses and you couldn't interact with your neighbor, with your colleagues, even, even with your friends. But at Fearless, you're like, okay, so here's a space where you can connect with your friends because what happens I've also noticed is when somebody is joining the fearless community, they not only just join by themselves, but they also bring their whole team. So if I'm a senior designer or a lead designer, I tell the junior designers, come and join fearless. There's something here for you. And this also created job opportunities, created more networks. I think I've also seen that other designers, because they lost their jobs, they met on Fearless, started having a conversation and even build products to address certain problems, as well as even start startups in this sense. So that for me was really, really impactful, uh, especially for Fearless. And in terms of um, what exactly I have noted in terms of uh, changes is, there was a ton of signups. Just to emphasize, there was a ton of signups because we were very authentic and we wanted to address the problem at hand. Um, yeah, so the number one challenge is definitely because I have an eight to five job. Um, it's really challenging to actually set aside time. Working in a startup, if you have actually worked in a startup, it's crazy. It's like um, you feel as if you own the actual problem because being a designer, you have to be empathetic. And when you're empathetic about the users, you, have, you can't actually sleep. You end up spending most of your time actually uh, trying to address the issue, which again reduces the time that you can have to commit to the community. So that's the main challenge that I've currently had, especially with Fearless, because it's close to my heart. And also the problem that I'm trying to address in the setup that I'm currently working is also close to my heart. So trying to balance that is super hard, but the lesson that I have learned so far in terms of how to navigate or rather address a particular issue is I need to have a, a schedule. And now, especially with COVID, it has really taught us more about time management because if you don't actually have a work-life balance or rather if you don't know how to manage your time, you will end up forgetting yourself as an individual as well as your priorities. So my biggest lesson is have a schedule, stick to your schedule, make sure that you commit to all your goals as well as the tasks that you had uh, intended to do and publicize it. You end up being accountable for your own tasks. And this helps, uh, rather has helped me a lot in terms of making sure that I'm leading the Africa chapter as well as helping other leads in achieving the particular goals. What have you learned? You've done, you've organized so many different communities <laughs> since you were a young boy. What have you learned about community building uh, from from being a part of Fearless? So being at Fearless, I've been able to lead myself because I have got an opportunity to get out of my cocoon. So Fearless has uh, part have been has been partnering a lot with so many companies so that you can we can listen in as well as network with uh, other designers as well as companies and. 
that created a space for me to actually discover more about myself because I was really afraid of speaking in front of people and <laughs> leading a community has actually made me to, I don't know if it's addressing the issue of being shy, but it has made me to shy away or rather not to shy away from these opportunities. I remember when I was running uh, the previous community product tank because it was a physical event. You know, when you're there, you are helping the speaker to actually do their talk. You're making sure that the members are seated and they have their snacks. And then after the event, I thought people would do it like the way I used to do it. You finish the event, you go home. But what ended up happening is people start queuing in front of you, wanting to know more about you as well as the community. There is no way you can run away from it. So it came to the reality that um, whenever you're a community lead, you need to own it as well mm. as come out of your shell and help these people. It's the same case to um, these great stories that we've had. Uh, Nelson Mandela and other great leaders, they had to say, I am not... I'm not going to be proud. What I'm going to do is be humble, um, serve these people, and make sure that they're able to achieve their goals. So being mm. a great listener is one of them. You're able to take in positive or negative feedback and making sure that I always I am serious about the job that I'm doing because you're responsible for each and every individual in that community. So mm. literally, that, that, has, that has been my biggest lesson, being a community lead in fearless. If you were to offer anyone advice, if they were, you know, getting started on a community right now, planning to use technology to bring people mm. together, what's one piece of advice that you would leave an aspiring community leader? <laughs> Definitely listen to this po podcast, not, not my episode, <laughs> but other Aww. episodes. Oh, <laughs> yeah. We didn't tell yeah, you to say that, <laughs> but no. we'll take it. <laughs> No, 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 I'm actually being serious. When I started out, uh, unfortunately, I ha I didn't know this podcast actually existed. So it was just me uh, running my own experiments. So being a growth hacker, you have to run small experiments and then iterate from there. But now that I know it exists, it's actually, I would say this is the first place you need to come and learn more about building a community Aww. or that being a community leader. Because there are other um, community leads that have actually spoken uh, before me, and I was like, "This is quite intriguing." They they have they're running or rather they're doing a different mission and have picked certain lessons that you could use in the way uh, I normally run the community that I'm currently, um, currently running. So I'd say the number one thing is listen to all these podcasts, and then maybe just to add the second thing is you need to evaluate yourself. Co running a community is not for everyone. I have been in, <laughs> people think that when in a community lead, you end up being a superstar because you end up getting to know so many people or rather so many people end up knowing you. So like, okay, this is interesting. I can grow my network through being a community leader, but it takes more than just being famous to actually be a successful community leader. So just evaluate yourself. Do you really, really want to serve people? And key thing, if you are running a community, just know that you're like a servant. And every or rather every successful servant always puts other people in front of them or other, even before them. So just know if you're getting into this, you need to evaluate yourself. Is this thing for me or not? If people want to get involved, 
with the fearless community? How, how can they do that? Where should they head? So if you want to meet us or rather engage with us, just go to www.itsfearless.com slash community. Or just type it's fearless. We'll find us on all different social channels, um, Twitter, Facebook, LinkedIn. Um, I think even in Dribble, I think we are featuring case studies there. Yeah. So that's where you can find us. So reach out to us. You can even uh, reach out to the individual community leads. We are all happy to have you in our community. Thank you Thank so you. much. And I want to say something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, yes. So I normally, so two things. So first of all, I don't normally like um, um, selling myself. But in this case, since I'm on a podcast, I would say just Google me. Um, it's Lewis Kangede Ngugi, uh, this handle. If you actually put the at symbol, N-G-E-S-H-L-E-W, so I pronounce it as Ngeshliu, you will find mm. me anywhere. Every single thing I've ever done on the internet is publicly out there. So that's how you find me. So the second thing I'd also like to mention that maybe I had forgotten to add is when you are doing a community, the most important thing is to remember you're not doing it alone. So you need to partner with other companies or other teams or other people. So this can be with inspiration brands to bring meaningful conversations. For example, us having this conversation is, I would term it as a partnership because mm. we are talking about, we are having a meaningful conversation and it's generating thoughtful content. The other thing is you need to run charity initiatives. So use your networks to actually build a community because you are sharing the same values as your networks. So that means there's going to be a purposeful change in the narrative that you want to address. And lastly, um, what I'd like to also mention is get content from people. So team up with actual people from all corners of the world because you're going to bring you different perspective. Like right now, I know it's morning. Um, I don't know if, if, yeah, definitely we are having an American here, a Kenyan, another Kenyan. The different cultures are really bringing in together an interesting voice as well as support in the community leadership industry. So I'd say get content from people, uh, make sure that you are driving um, charity initiatives and do as many partnerships as you can so that you can make your community um, successful as well as you as a community lead, you become more successful by doing all this. Thank you so much. Um, as Whitney said, that was you have such structured thinking and it's so wonderful to hear you communicate so clearly about your learnings. And I really, really enjoyed that conversation. So thank you to you. And Whitney, thank you for bringing Lewis to the podcast. Thank you. If you want to connect with Lewis Kangeth Ngugi, you can reach him at Lewis Ngugi on Twitter. Thank you to our team. Thank you, Rosanna Caban, for engineering and editing, Greg David for his design work, and Katie O'Connell for marketing this episode. Woohoo! You can find out more about the work Kevin, Kai, and I do as people and company, helping organizations get clearer on who their most important communities are and how to build with those people by heading to our website, peopleand.company. Also, if you want to start your own community or supercharge one you're already a part of, like Lewis has, our handbook is here for you. Visit gettogetherbook.com to grab a copy. It's full of stories and learnings from conversations with community leaders like the ones we've had on this podcast. And last thing, if you enjoyed the podcast, please review us on your local podcast store or click subscribe. It helps get these stories out to more people. See y'all next time. Bye.